Hey and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I'm Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. Today, we've got the final episode of our four-part series featuring Doug Laddin and Craig Hyatt. And on today's show, we go over backside drive and the posterior chain, why we shouldn't worry about the barrel, and how we can create adjustability in our swings. Here's Doug Laddin and Craig Hyatt. So you showed the front side move. You have some backside. Ooh, we got what well, we try to do. So a lot. we got to train both sides. Absolutely. I we have to make sure that we can get into the front side because without a front side, I don't have a backside. Yeah. And a lot of times, by spin by spinning or making bad moves, the front side is less resistant because of how it's been how it lands. Move. So. We do have to find a way point. to let this work. But the backside we talk about is we've done the backside move a thousand times. We throw, we control our throw forward with our back leg. But you go put a bat in our hands and it doesn't work that way. So often we have to just train that body with feels. So here, this is, a, we're on a pedestal, but this is not a swing growth mount. What are my ball, what is, what is my body doing? So the pedestal, this move here is not about starting a swing from there. It's more about how do I feel that inside part of my leg from my ankle up to my adductor? How do I feel that? So I feel this there, and then I go, okay. Then I get in my stance, and I feel that right there. So now I've got to begin to understand how my backside should work and take me to the ball. And that's how I develop hover or float or glide because I can control that. And that was microseconds. I got down to a good position without compromise. Some things we do is we'll also get a hitter on the inside part of their back heel so it's going to really feel that and then just make moves and maintain the pressure because if I lose the pressure on it, I've lost the backside. Then we can do a progression with just keep letting it get lower as they start and let it get down but still feel that pressure and know it's still there. That's drills that they can do all night long. To help just get a feel for what it is to have a backside move me to my hitting position. Most people separate and the front side goes. And then you have a front side move, you have no backside, and you're going to make a front side move with the ball, which is not going to be any benefit. We've talked about the wall drill. Yeah, or even I was going to point out just with that heel drill that you're doing, Mm -hmm. you're naturally going to stay on this wall. Working. Oh yeah, because you're not working towards the plate, and you're not. You're staying there because the minute you do this, it's very unruly. So it's a balance move. Yeah, you know. So whatever balance moves we do, we talked about the sling. We talked about the wall drill. uh, We've talked about the glute drive. So many things we can try and work on, but it's still about moving. Now the other thing I tell people that's kind of fun: that front foot should come up underneath my hip. Oh yes. If the front foot comes up up underneath my hip. I carry athletically. Yeah. If the front foot does not come up on my hip, I reach. So this is not a good position. I might be able to hit from it. It's not a good position. It's eventually going to cost me. 
but just being able to, whether it be a pickup, a kick, if I come up under here, the minute I'm up, I engage, now I'm good. And so this guys, becomes a nice, easy move. Some guys even turn the knee in a little bit when they... Yeah. But I run, when a guy turns the knee in, I'm looking, okay, that works Long as that doesn't counter too far Exactly. Because sometimes it shifts this hip. So a lot yeah. of guys that turn the knee, I see, are also trying to... Do the hips too, yeah. Trying to do an effect here, which I'm saying, these hips will work pretty much from here. When right. I throw a ball, I've never got a ball and tried to affect anything on my hips. Right. But I was able to throw the ball pretty well. So, but again, the character of a hitter and how they move is all going to be based on how their body works. And I think you've said also another cue could be the knee underneath the hip. Yes. We, we talk a lot in, like we talk about practicing in the sling, is that I'm going to keep the foot, knee, and hip together, even in a practice move, to feel the backside make this move. So there's nothing happening here. Right. One more time. You can see how the, the bad move is. You'll see that the reach yeah and the, a lot of people have a reach we can survive a little bit of a reach but we I don't think want to they do it consistently need stay back so we're told to stride <laughs> we're told to stay back and it looks like this yes and then all i can do from here is rot is spin off is this and that's not rotation no that's spinning yes and people said so that's where the confusion is there's rotation in every swing there's rotation in every throw but it's all of this Going there, yeah. which affects all that and creates it. But it's not a force move that everybody thinks this is. It's just, oh, the human back is not developed and if we can do that. Create some space from there. When I rotate, clean. Yeah. So I'm not stacking the hip and trying to turn. Because right when I do that, you're done. I do that. And you, have, you can feel you completely lost so energy. No I got to get off that so that I can rotate my back heel off the ground. Hold the bat up, and I'm going to show you a, a drill a very dear hitting. friend of mine does. And he's going to know the drill, and he just puts his fist there. Do yeah. it. Go. No, no, make your move. Go ahead and make your move from there. Did you push that? No. Make a move without pushing back. There you go. Automatic. How's your position? What's amazing is right when you did that, when I went back, I felt I unweighted and then I had no control. Yes. But the right when you put the fist there and I actually just went forward, I felt this and got into this yeah. immediately. And I can control everything from there. Plus, then I have clearance for this to work, to work underneath my head. Mm -hmm. And maintain. And then, yeah, and get so. We're using our backside to this point. We're going to continue to use it. I want it all the time. And then we're going to have a great front side that doesn't allow us to continue. And then, you know, I've said backside drive into front side brace. And then we have that finish yeah. and we stay on our line. So some of the things we look at a lot, as I've seen, so we do what's called a kick drill. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a hitter, particularly the spinners, the bracers, the shoulder, is just take a swing and kick up afterwards. Yeah, that's what I was... Yeah. And what we do with that, that is only to excite the muscle system to feel that move, and we'll literally start them hitting that. Now, obviously, we want them in line with the ball. We want them in line with the ball and kicking up afterwards. You'll find a lot of hitters can't do that at first. Don't worry. They'll get it. Some of them are so... It's like almost 
they're going to fall over. But what that does is gets the backside working the way it's designed to. Because if I get to a good position, I can do that. If I make a compromised position, I can't do it. Uh-huh. My body will not allow me to do what I, I, I want to do. And it's natural for the body to be able to want to kick. But if I get to a bad position, I have to fight to try and make that same move. So we do the kick drill sometimes just to wake up the bottom half. And it's funny, sometimes we get and guys going. to break down the brain's Absolutely. idea of what It's kind of shock it into another Yeah, because we feel like we're breaking rules when we go here because we've been conditioned our whole lives that that's not oh. The funny thing is, guys will do a kick drill and say, okay, now go regular, right? Yeah. And they'll get up there and just go, boom, and they'll keep kicking because fall off the bat is ridiculous because they're maintaining level. And remember, to get here, before they kick, they still had a great position. Uh-huh. So just because the kick comes up, they still have all that energy going the right direction, but they don't realize, yes, I don't want you to hit that way. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just matters, and then the body wakes up and it's like, then you see, we talk about what the foot does after, you know, after the movement begins. We're not going to stay grounded. A lot of people say, keep that foot down. Don't you dare. That's an anchor. Mm-hmm. Any move that doesn't allow that foot to release is eventually going to cost me my line. Because I get here and my body anchors, I have to go around. Yeah, I have to go around. That back foot will release to some degree. And if you watch good hitters at contact, that foot is off the ground. Or what we call light. Yeah. There are very few hitters who have ever been successful holding back. And what I'll tell you, they were they didn't get they were holding back, they were not able to exercise the outside perimeter of the zone. They they couldn't get there. They could only get around there. So they're really good in a smaller zone, but if we release, we get That's more. That's that ground ball reach. Hey, That's exactly. Because yes. they reach a point where they have. I, I got to go. And then the barrel head flips, and that's a 6 3. And then we look at trying to hit the outside pitch. <laughs> and we talk about the outside pitch. Yeah. If I release here, I have that much more line on the outside pitch. Yeah. If I don't, I got no shot at it. And we talk about the depth of the zone is that. With a rotate or a spin swing, yeah. where you're rotating around, yeah. you're going to come off that zone. You don't have any coverage, right. much less here. And once you understand how to hit this pitch here, life gets pretty special because now, gotcha. Yeah, well, because yeah. I can get. Once well, a pitcher's pitched maybe on a one-one count, anymore. that you can go double up. or and when you prove you can it. do that, it's not a strike. They come back inside of me. I just baited you into my home run. You change you change it around where you're able to cover. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, I had a hitting coach once was very proud of himself telling you had some guy hitting fastball at the big league level. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my guys hunt sliders. You've got you can't you can't sell out on one pitch as maybe you can in high school and wait and get, but as you you've got to be able to do damage on any pitch. Any location, you've got to learn to cover. If you've got a hole, you've got to find a way to fix it. Some guys will get to say, well, I've got that hole, so I'll just leave it. Okay, but somewhere, particularly as you move up level, we've got to fix holes. The way to fix holes is be able to have length in that zone from an effective body position. I don't think it's rocket science, but it sure gets taught that way sometimes. Well, think about the mental. We've got a mental battle going on here. If I step in the box... And he doesn't know what to throw me because I, I can cover everything. everything. I hate facing this guy. You know, he hates facing me because I can 
I can do all that. You're forward. winning. You're winning already. Think about this guy here. He doesn't know. Yeah. That's the guy I'm looking at. This is the guy that controls. Yeah. This is a guy who's going to be looking at things and seeing things bird's eye. Right. That's a guy people forget about. That's a guy I'm thinking about. Yeah. Right. He is, should be a wealth of knowledge. Right. So that guy behind the plate is going to see a lot. And it's going to condition what he, he has to be confident yeah. in him. And if he's not confident, <laughs> some guy throws you just this, you know, filthy slider and you take a swing and you just miss. I mean, you miss, but you're all over it. I guarantee you he's not calling that again at a high level because you're not going to risk he just missed that pitch. Right. Don't throw it again because he won't miss it twice. Right. So a lot of it is just how this game is played. It's, it's the best chess game in the world. But there's so many variants. But it all comes down to the only thing we can do as a hitter is go on time, get to a good balance point, and try to take a good swing. We're in a closed environment. We're talking about data accumulation. Pitchers can work test in a, in a closed environment because they can duplicate, keep working on. It. We work in an open environment. Yeah, we're responding and reacting to what I know to that, and there's a lot of conditions there that are in place even from the time they're small. Yeah, I mean, and they face some guy throwing 80 miles an hour, and they're like, "Wow, that guy's throwing hard." Yeah, right. Then they get to high school and go, "Oh my God, this guy's throwing changeups." We start, you know, growing into it, but there's always a point where. At every level, there's a little bit of challenge. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe we're not challenged, and right. then we have to get to the level that we are. Uh-huh. And then we have to grow past that. But the dynamics of what we do physically are the same. The human body works the same way. Uh-huh. And I think that's where we have to focus our attention. Yet, man, 95% of what we teach hitters is just wrong. It's bad. And I say that because nobody seems to be teaching in concert with how the body works. Yeah. And when we think about all those issues we've been going over, things work better because it's about, it's about the human body. It's about physiology. And we have biases, but I've seen even biomechanists have a, bi- you know, a bias based on what they think the move that a hitter should be and then build their theorem all about that. But what ends if their theorem is, I'm out here. Yeah then negate it because that's really not what we want to do in baseball. So if you look at anything you teach and if you can ask the question, why do I teach this? And if you can answer it with time, balance, alignment, posture, staying through a line, all those things I just answered, every person can do that regardless. Should be able to do it. Yeah. And again, we're going to take several different hitters. They should be able to do it from different. Yeah. When I look at even some fight more. So that's why you see me obsessed with balance because vision, timing, that's all to me part of balance. Making a good move. That's part of balance. So we kind of simplify it and start there. And then we're at least on the process where a a hitter's swing is going to evolve in the right direction. Why do people stop playing baseball? Right. Because I can't hit. This game is no fun when you can't hit. Sometimes it's not fun when you can hit. But... I can't tell you where an athlete's going to be. But right. I've always said, if you learn to hit, when you go through a process, it's going to set you up for other successes in life. But once you learn to hit and you continue to hit, you're going to play. Yeah. Some point, maybe the other side of the ball comes into play, but not. But the ability to be effective and consistent and use your body properly speaks for itself. How many different body types do we see in high school? A thousand. 
I mean, I've had a kid that was six seven. I've had a kid. I hate to even say he's probably five feet tall. I don't know. But you have a kid that has lifted weights for the first time. You have a kid that has never lifted weights. You have a kid that has the wrestling background, the football. You have, a, you know, kids that play different sports, and that can all factor in. But then you have maturity and purity of you got the 15-year-old, you got the 14, 15-year-old that's really skilled. He plays varsity. Now, all of a sudden, he gets a little stronger. His swing's actually going to change a little bit. And what I see is when they get stronger, lifting and getting stronger is excellent. But when you get stronger and then you are trying to use it the wrong way, you're in trouble. I got a whole nother hitter and the high school kids don't understand, like, you're a different hitter. You can't do what you were doing. Let me take a few seconds to tell you guys about OnBaseU. OnBase University is an organization that studies how the human body moves in baseball and softball. They offer certification seminars that teach coaches, trainers, and medical professionals how to assess an athlete's physical ability to perform movement patterns that are specific to hitting and pitching. For example, they just put up a blog post on their website, onbaseu.com, that discussed why hip internal rotation is important in hitting and how they evaluate it with their OnBaseU screen. If you want to learn more about OnBaseU, I did a podcast with the OnBaseU founder, Dr. Greg Rose, episode 78, and he talked about how he modeled the screen after golf assessments that he created for TPI. They are hosting pitching and hitting seminars in Phoenix, Newark, and Houston over the next few months. I will be attending one soon, and I hope to see you there. We saw that yesterday. We were watching Last a local year. game, yeah. and you see, in the, and that's, we start equating to hit a ball hard and far. I got to swing hard, and that's human nature. But that's the thing we have to kind of pull out. Because if they lift and get stronger, they still have to maintain mobility, not tightness, but being able to still affect a good swing rather than think, I'm just going to sit here and just crush everything because I'm strong. Yeah. Like, does a pitcher get stronger and automatically throw harder? But again, the body works in, in this form that people kind of forget is that we need to be stronger, we need to grow, we need to be athletic. Coordinated. Yes. And and and, and we it. see all difference, but all those kids can learn how to make. make they all can learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they all have different. Some might go a little farther. Some might go a little less. Some people, I mean, that might have a different setup. But your setup will match how their body moves. But you got to find that out. The other thing is strength complements. Why well. are they not balanced? It doesn't define a strength. But put those two together. Now we're and again, I don't think a swing should change. How many kids show up here and things like who are what's that swing today? Right. So again, maybe they're searching, maybe they said, Oh, this worked really good in toss, this worked really good in VP, this is what I thought I did, XYZ. But there has to be this consistency in how we work. And it's tough, but definitely by the time a young man's in high school or young ladies in high school or at a high level of travel ball, every swing should not be about results, it should be about Intent. What am I trying to do? What am I trying to feel? How does that feel? That's what we see with the major leaders too. Thank you. But again, they look. You know, it's not something they come in with, but somewhere they get that idea. So let's get that idea out there now. Yeah. I'm not trying to hit a ball 400 feet. I'm like, okay, how's it feel? What happens there? Okay, that feels good. So the intent should not be I'm going to hit that ball away. They're not trying to impress people. Yeah. They're doing their work. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times when you see um, major leaguers work, 
is a lot of that work is outside of you know the public eye. Yeah. And people go see a BP where they're just kind of exercising and doing things. They don't realize the hard work went the night before. Yeah. Early, early work. The other thing is to get their field. Uh, okay, what do I do? Okay. Trying to really get to that point. So it has to be intent. Okay. Uh, young man you saw yesterday. Uh, let's get all the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's let's get a path. That's the only thing I care about. I don't care if you hit the ball or miss the ball. Let's get your path better. Let's get consistency in the path. This young man will get on that path, drill a few balls. Next one you saw him and take over, he's going to hit the next one harder. There he went again. Yeah, it's a process. But it's also something a coach can educate. You know, this is what we need to do. Well, and you were talking to him. How'd that feel? I mean, he, after a couple of reps, he was able to verbalize. And, he couldn't and have verbalized. No, he couldn't. And he'd be like, I, I don't know. But after five or six times of through, he's like, after he, before you even asked him, after he hit it, he'd be like, I pulled that one for yeah. front shoulder or whatever he was saying. And that's a, pro- that's a process of letting them learn to feel to be able to self-correct. Mm-hmm. And then you can be their sounding board right. because we're always adding pieces. You're always adding pieces, trying to make it better, or dealing with you know conditional changes. Like we're talking about compensation for the injury, or you know addressing environmental changes, shall we say, uh, external. But the key is, more they understand their body and feel it, they're going to be able to fix. And that's why I went, oh, I feel that in their man. I'm like that's great. And they go, wow, why Doug's nuts? I'm like no, no. If you feel it, yeah. You can fix it. Yeah. That, okay, so that fear you just had, we're trying to get away from. So then in their practice, when they're away from you, they're hopefully working with some intent to minimize how many times they feel that. And when you feel something really good for the first time, Ooh-wee. you then recognize how bad that other feeling is, and you never want to go back there again. Right. And <laughs> that's their, they get upset when they feel that, because, oh, man, I know what good is. Now, that is really bad. That was my, my, my normal is now really bad. Right. I'm blessed because I see the eureka, the aha, the like, I got it moment yeah, yeah. from hitters that are 10 years old to, up to major leaguers. Yeah. Where they hit it like, oh, yeah, you get it. It's automatic. Wow. Sometimes the hitter's doing something he never thought he could do. Or it's just like, again, it translates. But that is, that's what you want them to get addicted to because then that's the goal. But that aha moment, we all have it. And man, that that just makes me as a coach. Like, right. Yeah. Today I did a good thing. Then they can coach themselves. And I heard this. I don't know. I probably stole it from someone. But I want can't be, steal anything. Given to you, <laughs> yeah, by the way. I want to be their assistant coach. I don't want to be their. I don't want to be their hitting coach. I want to be their assistant hitting coach. Sure. They are their hitting coach. I'm your second. You know, eyes, and I'll assist you through it. But the more times you're correcting yourself without relying on me. Is when you can get out in the real world and make your own corrections. But the end of the bat, within a series, you know, we, we can't call up coaches all the time and have eyes. Let's try to get as much done as we can ourselves. And, you know, we can help support that. And we can, and they're, I mean, they're always going to need us. But, like, the the more you can do your, yourself. And, again, it's not a matter of, you don't, you're not letting go. Yeah. You're there, but you have to let this process unfold. They have to find who they are. Yeah. The problem with a lot of coaches, I think, is like the, the cookie cutter. You know, this is what you must do or create this reliance that they keep coming back to you. More importantly, my best teachers are my players. And it's funny if you say, Doug, you're making them better. You're taking the you're No, because I'm learning from each player. And how much and do we rely? 
and on I need how their, much they say. And I need their feedback. Yeah. But there's times when the feedback from an early, even from a major league player, feedback is okay. We're going to have to, I have to adjust what you think. Yeah. We have to get to a different mode here because we're not just adjusting the physical, we're also adjusting the mental and emotional side of the swing. But if they're able to work and you know, bounce ideas back in development, they're going to build who they are. And every hitter is different. And even cues, I've had, I guess, I'm lucky to have had this experience, but I had a lot of players on the major league team working and they were sharing their cues. Yeah. And they're all getting, I was like, guys, no. And we talked, they're like, no, give them big externals. Like, hey, a good line. Hey, that looked good. Because the minute you say, well, this is what I do. And then this guy tries that feel, but does it click with him? Then it gets a little bit sketchy. Yeah. So that's a tough thing when people don't appreciate how hard a major league coach has to work because he's working with 15 top level players, 15 different ideas, 15 different swings. There's a lot of things there and they're doing it under pressure because tonight, you know, you're going to face the best pitchers in the game mm -hmm. and under a lot of pressure. So we want, we want to build a massive vocabulary. We want a hitter to have the least amount yes. of vocabulary. And we want it to be his vocabulary. His vocabulary. He, you tell me what you're, and then I will repeat that back to you. And I know he's going to say whatever. And then I have to try and, what we've been doing, I think he's saying, when I talk to hitters now, I'll actually record them. Okay, tell me what you're feeling, tell me what you're doing. And then we share that back and forth. So it's kind of a, a, a reference source to come back to. Frankly, there's just, I can't keep track of everything completely anymore. There's just a lot of books on that shelf. But if you say that's an orange, and I think that's a banana, it's an orange. Because I've got to relate to where you're at. Like, fine. If you say, there's a lot of hitters misconstrue the word, get, you know, hitting down on the ball. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I ask hitter, okay, describe your swing. And I better say, I hit down on the ball. I said, show me. I said, good. Keep hitting down on the ball. Because he's making the right move, and there's no reason for me to change that. Because he's hitting down the ball with the right move. He's not trying to chop wood or do something that's contrary to you know, good body movements and definitely effective contact. But we've got to use his words and, and let them develop. And sometimes you hear something one thing, uh, try it with another because something's on, bam, resonated, lucky. But then the, the thing we have to not do is like cookie cut. Right. This worked for you. Right. That's going to work for everybody. Right. Okay. Pieces of it could fit. But man, that's a challenge of being a coach at any level. Their words are always the best because it's pure, honest description of how they feel. So they always come up with better words than I would describe it because it's a real emotional attachment to yes. a word and a feel. And, and their personal. words are always better. And it's personal. Yeah. So their reference point of what they're their describing brain. is their yes. brain's more important than my brain. Absolutely. And if I say the word mountain, yeah. all of us just saw a mountain in our head. But you might have seen Mount uh, Fujiyama or whatever, and you might have seen yeah. Mount Rainier, and I might have seen Mount Washington. Who knows? You know, Mount Everest. So we saw the idea of a mountain, but our mountains were completely different. Right. So that communication is never 100% anyway, but I've got to be online pretty close to where we're at. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's always bad, though. You ask them how it felt, and they say this. Good. <laughs>
okay? <laughs> then tell me a whole lot. But like, what feels good? So expand yeah. on, you know, teacher. When it doesn't feel good, what does it feel like? Well, it feels like this. Okay. It feels, feels bad. Well, I like when they can identify. <laughs> Appreciate it. Younger haters, I'll have them identify plus, minus, good, bad. I'm trying to get away from negatives because this is tough enough to play this game. Mm-hmm. And That's we are going to beat ourselves up very fast. Um, and I had a exceptionally bright player that worked with me this off season and love the way his mind works. But one thing I said, no way I'm going negatives allowed. Mm-hmm. And this is a game that will beat you up in a heartbeat, even when you're 14 years old, but no, no negatives. Okay. Because like I said, there's no room for that because this is a game of failure sure. and you will fall into that category of conditioning yourself for failure. And fear and all these other things that we can't afford here. And riding the emotional, emotional roller coaster. Yeah. yeah. And I've got to know that we're all going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. And, you know, people ask now what I ask my hitters at the high level of this game. Okay. If we have a bad day, because it's going to happen, all I want you to do is go in the clubhouse, pull out your iPad, get ready for tomorrow. Let's see who's pitching. Let's see what he's got. Let's start preparing for tomorrow because today's done. Everything matters. Okay. Let's go in here. Back to the routine. Have confidence in that. Have confidence that you yeah. If you prepare, remember at that level, yeah, you know it's a different game. Yeah, but the same methodology can apply to children anywhere and players at any level. Is okay. Let's get ready for the next one. But people go into this negativity, and it's one of the things I was playing Jonathan. You know, a player comes back and tells you, "I did ask you know two for four with two punch outs, good strikeouts or bad strikeouts." I'm like, "What? Yeah, what's a good strikeout?" You had a good swing at a good pitch. You saw it well. You missed. You know? Maybe the guy said, man, I took a pitch. And right down in the middle, I, I, I froze. I'm like, Let's tell me about that. What happened? It's a learning experience. What, oh, you got stuck. Okay. So you suddenly take this negative or perceived negative. Okay? Move it forward. Every at-bat, every pitch is, is an experience. But we've got to change up because it's too easy for us to like, you know, put ourselves in a bad place. Mm-hmm. We were watching a high school game yesterday, and you could watch a couple of hitters bury themselves. Yeah, They were buried from word one, and you could just watch. It wasn't going to get better. But then you see the, the hitters that are kind of what I would call a little bit more emotionally mature or kind of getting in tune. It's like, all right, let's go. No worry about what just happened. Keep that perspective, get rid of it, and move into, all right, this is the only pitch that matters. Yeah. You know, you throw some guy some wicked slider, you know, that's on his head, in his mind, in his head for the next pitch. Then you throw a fastball right down, shoot, he's going to miss it. And a lot of guys are basing their day off their first at bat. If it goes good, I'm, oh, I feel great today. But you're going to have three, four, or five at bats. Huh. Your first one's not any more important than your last one, or no. your second one, or your third None one. None of them. Think about it, he'd yeah. say it. Yeah. You know, we put a lot of importance on it. if you're playing games, it's a, it's, a, it's a season of games. Yeah. And yes, there's an importance to, at-bats and outcomes. Right. But it's not based on live or die right. on this pitch. Yeah. Live or die on this at-bat. Live or die on this day. <laughs> and, yeah, it's tough when we leverage, you know, situations and, you know, we don't get the result we want. But it's still a building block. But the toughest thing is maintaining a positive emotional and mental uh, status. Because if not, this game will eat you up. That's the same with even a hitting session. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Hitting sessions don't always go perfect. Mm-hmm. And so what did you learn through that? Around here, and you'll hear the big leaguers will always say, you know, scuffle day, best days in the world. Because in a yeah. scuffle day, 
you're really learning a lot. It's like, man, you're getting a lot of feedback what you don't want to do or, you know, little things like that. But I see we're talking about emotionality. The minute a hitter starts getting frustrated, we got to stop. Because, one, it's also an opportunity to practice keeping it together. All right, I'm okay because we're going to need that in the game anyway. But the minute we get frustrated, it means we're getting into our emotion and we're going to lose it because we're not going to get better because our head's not in the right spot. We're not balanced. So balance is more than just physical. Yeah. It is mental We're and trying to achieve emotional. balance in life. And yeah. I, I can't. I, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. So that's why I said, if you can get a, get a hitter to become a better hitter and practice all those things, that's somebody who's going to have success in their life yeah. in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. As parents, we'll ask our kids, you know, after school, how's your day? What did yeah. you learn? After a basketball game or a baseball game or a football game, what do we ask them? Or what do we tell them versus ask them? How about if we just, you know, how's your day? What did you learn? Why don't we have the same approach? Every every hitting session is a learning day. Every game is a learning day. What did you learn? If they're four for four, ask them what they learned. If they're over four, ask them what they learned. Well, what uh, do you say to a player after a game? What do you say to your son? What do you say to your daughter? What's the first thing you say to a player after a game? Most of the time, it's like, I just enjoyed watching you play. Yeah, I, I, don't like, talk I, like about I like that at the beginning. All right. What do I say? What do I tell parents to say? Go ahead. Tell them. What do you want to eat? <laughs> I want your mind off. That's, of that's a good icebreaker. Right no, there. no. Hey, and I've always said that. What do you want to eat? <laughs> and if they want to talk about it, they can. If not, that's fine. But I will never say, so what do you got? How do you feel? It's, you know, yeah. let, let it unfold. And people like, wow, that's pretty I like. I like to keep it simple. Yeah. Okay? What do you feel like eating? Yeah. You know, and obviously I mean, my kids kind of have the luck or unluck to have to deal with me, but I'm not going to sit there and micromanage or overanalyze. Right. Right. Go play. Go have fun, but there's time to give them breathing room. Well, they were just in an emotional state for two hours, four hours, five hours. Can I, can I, can I state a serious peeve I've got? Go ahead. Good Lord, coaches. I just played two and a half hours. And you talked to him. I put a lot of pressure on. <laughs> you know, there's not much you need to say because I'm already tuning out. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm thinking about a thousand things. Maybe more performance. I don't need to tell you what I did good or bad. But coach, come free. Yeah. Now let's get to work hard tomorrow. But I see these coaches go on these. Literally, I've timed 25 minutes. But there's nothing you can say that's yeah. going to register. Yeah. And there's time and place. And it's better when they get away from the emotion of the game. The next day, you'd have a much more productive discussion. Plus, I've seen coaches go off the deep end, which I don't accept because I don't personally respond to people screaming at me very well. And I, that, at the very least, I'm shutting you down yeah. because that's you losing emotional control, uh-huh. right? We just yeah. talked about balance. Right. But if you've got time to think about the game, kind of feel, feel it all out and see it and see it from a different perspective, do your review. The next day when you're talking to your players, you can kind of give a little bit better, you can get a little bit better report on that. Rather than this breakdown and everything that happened, and they're done. They, talk about the next day. Yeah, talk about the next day. I so when I coach, I said, "Okay, hey, you know, let's do the game out there. Practice tomorrow. Be there. Need 110 percent. Hey, tough game today. Hope we learned a little bit. You know, I don't think that team was better than us, but they're better than us today. So t- tomorrow, let's get after it. Where do you want to eat? Yeah. <laughs> that's for mom and dad." <laughs> <laughs> you buy it for the team, but yeah, let's let's get them on their way. Yeah, 
You know, That's I mean, awesome. we've got high school kids, and they got a lot of things going on today. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got studies, they've got finals, they've got colleges, they've got all this other stuff. They don't need to hear my diatribe. Well, they if don't I need to hear the something. coach and then hear the parent, too. That's a lot, I guess, when you yeah. look at it from the kids' perspective. So, to me, as a coach, when you speak, make sure it's something tangible because I hear you all the time. They mm-hmm. tune you out. You might have something yeah. really good to say, but if it's all this all the time, yeah, yeah. Give them little nuggets because we can hold on to a nugget. And when do we get a nugget? You know, and you got to stay positive. Yeah. You've got to keep, you've got to be a role model of demeanor. Because we ask that from them. Yes. And if you get frazzled, they're going to frazzle. If you get upset and lose control, they're going to get upset and lose control. And you don't want that on the field. You don't want it in the dugout. You don't want it on the clubhouse. Yeah. You don't want it. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.